with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got an opinion? You can call the show on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. We did take players from Big Ten. We took players from the transfer portal. Big Ten uh, has selected USC and UCLA from the transfer portal. Uh, amazing. Didn't expect this news today. Um, it's huge. It's going to happen fast, 2024 season, uh, most likely whenever that's going to happen. Um, it sounds like, according to some people, that the Big Ten may not be done. Yeah. Perhaps Oregon and Washington also going to join uh, USC and UCLA headed to the Big Ten. Who knows? Which I, I would add those two teams if I was the uh, the Big Ten. I mean, Oregon's got some cachet as a football program. Washington's got the Seattle market. That one makes a whole lot of sense. But USC and UCLA, especially USC, that's the big fish. Um, you think the Big Ten's ready to defend the jet sweep? Because jet sweep is, is coming to the Big Ten now. Well. You ready, boys? Yeah, I think so. Jet sweep isn't always uh, a bad thing. It can be a very productive football play. Uh, Ohio State, was it uh, Curtis Samuel that they kept giving oh it to yeah. against us yeah. uh, in Norman? Um, he scored that first touchdown of the game here. Yeah, he was big time. Right. Uh, it's an effective play. Now, you need to call it at uh, the proper time, right? proper time timing is uh is critical timing is everything but yes um the big 10 is defensive driven for the most part uh, and that's the way that that conference has played football is not what lincoln riley has traditionally done well against yeah now, we'll get to more of the – we'll try to get through all the text this hour just because we have so yeah. many. But I, I do want to ask, I asked you earlier if there is a positive or negative effect for OU with today's news, and you said, man, not really. I don't know where that effect would be. How about Oklahoma State? I don't see a positive of, uh, change for OSU here. Is this a bad day for Oklahoma State now with the landscape shifting even more and them left out of the, uh, left out of the show here? No, I think this is a good thing for Oklahoma State. Okay, please, you have the floor. Please explain that. Well, I think it's a good thing for Oklahoma State in a sense that like, how things sit right now are not good, okay? With, with Oklahoma, Texas leaving the Big 12, like, I think they're going to be super competitive in the new Big 12 conference, right? But – with the with the landscape starting to shift, like, and and it looks like it's going to be a, if it is going to be a two conference, uh, sport, 
where you've got the Big Ten and the SEC, I think Oklahoma State is in the next group to get swooped up. Mm, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see him getting swooped up here. I really don't. Um, whatever is left, like the, the Big Twelve is going to be. I mean, it'll it'll be a power conference. It'll be fine in that regard. I. I guess I feel like if Oklahoma State was going to get swooped up, it would have happened by now because no. they had the opportunity to. I, I, I don't see him going to the but Big Ten, though. It, ha- it hasn't happened. Like, we still don't know that the Super Conference thing is going to happen, so that's why I don't think that they, they have – like, you're going to get the low-hanging fruit first, and then you'll fill in as necessary – and I feel like Oklahoma State is in a position where they could be one of those teams that is able to make it into a super conference. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm the only reason I say that that's a positive is because the way it is now, the Big 12 is going to be like it's going to be without Oklahoma and Texas, anyways. And it's going to be viewed as a have not. Anyways, so the positive is that if it is, in fact, going to two super conferences, like they've got an opportunity to be one of the teams that, that gets swooped up. Well, what if up. you're like me and you don't think that they're going to get swooped up? Then it was a terrible day, right? Because that's where I'm sitting right now. Well, I, I don't think it's a terrible day. I think it's, I mean, like the, to me, that's the baseline. Like That's where it is already anyways. I don't think today makes it any worse than what it already is. Uh, like they're I, I, already in a conference that is losing their two blue bloods or their two yeah, big dogs, yeah, one blue yeah. blood and another big name. I mean, it, it just kind of you know makes it official to what we already knew. But I, I did. I, I honestly didn't make the big. I didn't expect the Big Ten to make this strong of a play. But yeah, it's it's the two super conferences right now. It's going to be. I just. I very much doubt that Oklahoma State's going to be a part of that show at any point in the future. But we'll see. It, I think it's. I think it's. It's probably. It's not super. Like they're not going to be super high on the list. They're not Florida State. They're not Clemson. Obviously, it just depends on how big the conferences get. Oklahoma State has, uh, has a really good sports programs. They've got a good football team. They've got a good baseball team. They've got a good softball team. Um, they're trying to claw their way back in basketball to where they were previously. I, I think Oklahoma State is a really good option. The problem is they don't have a, a, a huge fan base. But that's kind of my point. There's nobody left that does have a, few, a huge fan base. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like It depends on how big those conferences get at some point it's not going to be about adding televisions it's going to be about adding good competitive teams in oklahoma state has good competitive teams yeah i mean maybe um maybe they do no i mean they they do my maybe is about i mean sure it's a factor but i don't think it's the overall factor here. i mean ucla 
got an invite to the Big Ten. And maybe Oregon will, but we don't know as of right now. Oregon's a better, in terms of major sports, Oregon's a better athletic program than UCLA is, but UCLA's getting the invite, not Oregon. Well, I will agree, that's Oklahoma a television-driven deal, though. Right, and Oklahoma State won't be able to offer very much at all when it comes to being a television-driven deal, which I think is what this no, is really all saying. about. No, I, I, but that's what I'm saying, though. It depends on how big the Super Conference thing gets how many teams they add because there is no more there's a couple of of teams out there that bring large fan base and and tv viewership but there's not many left and if they have to get to the right numbers and they start adding programs based on how good they're how competitive they are as a program, that's where Oklahoma State would make sure. The, okay, make the and, cut. and that's fine. I, I guess I just wonder if those conferences are going to get to that point. If you have, let's say, the SEC adds, well, they got sixteen now. Let's say yeah. that they end up adding Clemson and Florida State near at eighteen. Do you get to a point if you're one of those conferences where you can say, I mean, yeah, Oklahoma State's a good football program, but I mean, do we really need them? You, you know, like. At some point, you have so many teams. I just wonder if any of these conferences, really the SEC and the Big Ten, are ever going to say, "Yeah, we need to get to 20." Like, what, what's the real benefit of going from 18 to 20, especially when you're adding someone that doesn't have a, a huge presence nationally? You're right. That's what I don't know, and that's what. But I get back to the original question, though. The baseline for Oklahoma State is in is that you are in a you're in a have not conference moving forward with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. Your hope of an arms race between the Big Ten and the SEC turning into two super conferences and absorbing all of the competitive programs out there is the one hope that you have with this move that you know, and, and that maybe you would be one of those. Like, that's why I'm saying that it's a good move is because they're already where they're the baseline is already they're at a, they're going to be in a a have not conference. Sure, I so. uh, I do wonder how this impacts the college football playoff and it expanding because if we stay at four for a while, which I don't I don't think we're going to do that. I do think that we'll expand to twelve or whatever the number is. But if it expands to four and the landscape looks the way that it is, two teams from the Big Ten and two from the SEC, it might just yeah. be as simple as that and nobody else gets in. Well, if let's say that they both conferences get to 20, then, you know, you can easily have, uh, you know, four teams from each side. No problem at all. You know, expand it. There'll be plenty of good teams in there, but ah, it's who knows. They got to get the conference situation right before they expand. And here's the other part of it: if they keep going as far as super conferences, then there's going to be less and less of an opportunity for the other conferences to be in an expanded playoff. The expanded playoff is going to be expanded within those two super conferences. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Omasigo commits to OU today. Three-star by Rivals, four-star by 24-7 Composite, I think. 
Uh, six foot one, two eight, two oh eight out of Crandall, Texas. Had a Florida offer, an Auburn offer, a Michigan offer, a USC offer, but really it was down to OU in Florida. This has been a good news day for OU. Um, USC UCLA news, not really that much of an impact, but OU gets a commit, and then Jackson Arnold wins the MVP of the Elite Eleven camp, which I, it doesn't automatically signify that he's going to be a great college football player, but. That's 11 of the elite quarterbacks in this class, and he showed out better than any of them. That's a pretty good sign. Well, I think it goes uh, a long way as far as people are wanting something to grab a hold of and feel good about right now whenever it comes to recruiting. That answers that that need. That scratches that itch because everyone is up in arms about losing a a three-star wide receiver, um, you know, out of state. Can you explain to me why there's such a panic over that? And I know, I remember listening to Locked In with yourself and Parker Thune and hearing you guys reading text messages and like the Cole Adams situation was, it was ongoing throughout, you know, all off season about when they were going to offer him. And of all the players in Oklahoma, I'm just I'm shocked at like throughout the years, I'm shocked at like, like this is one that's gonna that's causing such a stir. I think um, here's my theory. I I think it was because it was Alabama that offered an Oklahoma kid so early. You know, if it was Texas A&M that offers him early, and you didn't get him because A&M got there first. I think that there would be some people that were upset about that. But I think it was, well, Alabama offered him, so he must be elite. He must be an incredible player. And maybe he is. I mean, I guess time will tell that. But I think it was, how does Alabama come in and offer an elite kid in our state before our team does? Because Oklahoma, the evaluation on him wasn't, as high as what Alabama's was. Yeah. And I think rightfully so. You know, we had someone text in and say that they know for a fact that he was Alabama's number one wide receiver on their their board or whatever. That is, I find that extremely hard to believe. That, well, straight up, I just flat out don't believe it. I don't find it extremely hard to believe. I find it to be unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, he he was a three-star before he got offered by Alabama, and then whenever that happens, you know, the parade of offers comes in, and here comes the star rating going up. So I think Oklahoma's evaluation was right. I think the only thing that Oklahoma did wrong perhaps was, you know, relenting and making that offer late whenever they hadn't made it all along. Because I feel like they had to have a very strong feeling that he was going to go to Alabama. And that's one of the reasons that they held off for that reason and because the evaluation wasn't all that hot. Yeah, I I just don't think that you have to use this as, oh my gosh, 
we're not going to be able to recruit Oklahoma kids. Oh, my gosh, we're not going to be able to recruit under this new staff. I think that that's going way overboard for one instance here. I still right. think that they'll – now, is, is there a history of OU losing out on some kids, it's, you know, really in the Tulsa area? Sure, but I don't think the Cole Adams situation has to totally dictate what's going to happen in the future in Tulsa. Do they need to do a better job up there? Yeah, I think that argument can be made. But just because they didn't get Cole Adams, I, I don't think that that has to mean that this staff is going to struggle with the elite prospects in that area of the state. Yeah. I don't think that has to be linked. I agree. By the way, um, I'm looking at the Elite11.com, and I was just curious to see who the recent MVPs were, you know, just to kind of see what that alumni looks like. Yeah. Um, I looked at 2018. It was C.J. Stroud. 2017 nice. was Justin Fields. Nice. And 2016 was Tua. So pretty good company nice. there from Jackson Arnold. No doubt. What about 19? Someone we haven't heard of? I, I don't know if this hasn't been updated since then, but I'm having a very difficult time finding who the MVP was of the camp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, those are I, – I would say that's a pretty decent group of, uh, of guys to be – associated with that's good news i mean that that makes you feel good about the evaluation process with levy um you know being able to to go get him and lock him in and here's the deal and i guess we you know we don't know what's there and what what isn't but they were able to get him and bring him in quickly with a commitment without having to throw a Ten million dollar NIL deal on the exactly. table. He's like the only guy there that didn't have that. Right. I think that's critical. I think that's critical. Well, hopefully, after rubbing elbows with all those guys with those big NIL deals, he doesn't start, you know, demanding one. But no, it's good. Good by him. Um, the the people that were there, I was going to say scouts. I don't know if they're scouts. I don't know who they are that are there. But the reviews seem to be really really good on how athletic he is and how he can throw on the run and move around and seems like he's uh, a real dual threat quarterback yeah Kyler Murray no but I mean he can definitely move around and make plays with his feet which is which is nice because that's clearly where I mean he's big dude too big and can run yeah I'll take that you know what's weird I thought he was way bigger than what they've got him six one one ninety eight yeah I, I didn't want to make it out to where he's Six foot five. I guess recently six yeah. one one ninety eight's been a giant at a quarterback around here. <laughs> right, right. No doubt about it. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Newcastle Casino. I forty four exit one zero seven. Final hour of The Rush, right here live on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Keep those texts coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 651-3439. Let's get to the text line, shall we? Spencer Rattler won the Elite 11 MVP. Well, I, I missed that one. I just mentioned C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, and Tua. Do we want to mention um, that Rattler won it? Yeah, sure. I, I think... I think Spencer Rattler is um, – I think he's a good quarterback. I think 
what happened at Oklahoma for him was a bit of a wake-up call, I hope. Now, I don't expect him to go set the world on fire at South Carolina just because it's going to be a lot harder. He's not going to have the best talent in, in that conference surrounding him like he did at Oklahoma. It's going to be tough, but Spencer Rattler throws a really good ball. He's super accurate. Um, he's got he's got great arm talent. The ball just looks different coming out of his hand. Okay. Now, Caleb Williams I, also won it in 2020, so do with that I what think, you will. Right. I think that I think that Spencer Rattler was, you know, part of it. I mean, it's on him, but I think he was also a victim of the culture at Oklahoma. Sure. Right? Yeah. And the lack of accountability and the, the holding of different players to different standards. When you recruit nationally, you miss out on some local kids for various reasons. Bama doesn't get everyone from Alabama either. Yeah. But it does feel that way. It does. <laughs> it really does. It does. Possibly well, the number one quarterback in this class. Yep. Sounds like we're on our way to not being a blue blood. Oh, I love that. That's a great text. Yeah. Oh, what an idiot. What's that guy? Tom Fornelli? Yeah. Idiot, uh, just trying to trying to get Oklahoma fans to hate listen to the podcast. We're not even going to name it. Sam in Tulsa, it could be just me, and I live in Tulsa, but I'm not too broken up about losing a five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty pound possession receiver to Alabama. Ten, five foot ten. No, yeah, you you do have those measurables burned in your brain by now. Well, I was just looking at them uh, only moments ago. Maybe he grew that's in how this I, summer. Who knows? Uh, maybe so. Definitely possible. But that that's my point. And, you know, I went through this, went through this same situation yesterday. My nephew is, in my opinion, better than him. And he is... 5'11", he's 185 pounds, measurables are close, except he's got, I think, bigger hands and longer arms. He's faster. Um, it's kind of, They're very similar. And the, the reason I say that is because I, I think he's probably listed as a three-star, too, or somewhere around there. And, you know, he's got offers. I think he's, think he's going to go to Rice. But... The whole point is there's a reason that Oklahoma didn't offer him. It's because the evaluation wasn't as high as maybe people expected it to be after. the, the, The reason a lot of people think the evaluation should have been so high is because Alabama came in and offered him. Right? Yeah, 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 yes, exactly. Okay, I'll, I'll bite on this text. I'll do it. I mean, you've been sending in the same text all day long to every show, but it says OU is a bridesmaid. Venables can't close deals. Now, I didn't read that one, and then 10 minutes later you said, scared to read OU recruiting is bad. Finishing second or third leads to middle of the road. Middle of the row, whatever that means. Well... OU recruiting is bad. OU recruiting is not bad. 
Um, they've got a five-star quarterback, just won the Elite 11. And this That's staff, to the people that start. say this staff can't recruit and they won't recruit, Teddy, they had an unbelievable finish to last year's class where they finished inside the top ten and I believe would have ranked as the second-highest class that Muleshoe ever had at OU. So I don't need to yeah. look at this year as to why this staff can close. I saw it with the 2022 class. It's all good. Right. That same text was sent yesterday, too. I saw the exact same text message come across uh, I sent it like eight yesterday. Times. Yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma's a bridesmaid. The Venables honeymoon is over. <laughs> Find something else, man. <laughs> I do. What love, else we got? I do love the attempt to troll, though. And if you are a Texas fan, if finishing second or third is middle of the pack, what does finishing first in recruiting get you? No bowl I game. I don't think it's. Is it a? I don't think it's a Texas fan. It's just a. It's just someone that is trying to get a, a response out of. On air. Well, if you if you send it eight times in a row, at some point it's all right, fine, I read it. Um, back right. back to the main story though, and you know we we've talked about this for two and a half hours now. I've talked about it for three and a half hours, and the only time I've really mentioned UCLA is hey they're going along with USC. The conversation is USC can they kind of revitalize their program in the Big Ten? Nothing about UCLA, and I understand that they're not the main story here. But I've just always thought that should be a better program than what it is. And I guess much like USC, if they can't get things going in this new look conference, I don't know if UCLA will ever be a consistent force when it comes to college football. Right. Just odd that they've ne- not not that they haven't been consistently good, because that is tough to do in college football. But to not even have like one. Like, 1998 was their last great year. I think they were in the Rose Bowl that year. It's it's just it's just odd that they haven't at least had, you know, a year here and there where they pop up and they have a really good team. I know it. I know it. Um, I mean, they showed some signs last year. Um, got off to pretty good start. Uh, beat Hawaii, beat LSU. Then they lost to Fresno. Um, and then... You know, lost a close game to Oregon. Looked like they had a chance in it. Utah got them pretty good. But they closed off with with three wins, blew the doors off of the University of Southern California, 62-33. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I don't know. It felt like last year could have been a moment for, for Chip Kelly possibly getting them over the hump, but... It's hard to have a whole lot of uh, ha- hard to have a whole lot of trust in that. Now, is Thompson Robinson still going to be there? He's going to be. I think DTR th- is back for one more year. I think he is. Which is crazy. He's been there nine years. Even Jason White's like, dang, dude, just graduate. He he's played already four full seasons for them. This is going to be the fifth because of the free 2020 year. So, but hey, you know what? You take it when you can get it. And, you know, he's he's a guy that has improved as he's gone along, um, slowly but surely. Last year was his best season. 
2,500 or 2,400 yards passing, 21 touchdowns. Um, you know, did added some nice stuff on the ground as well. Probably had uh, five, six rushing touchdowns as well. He's a he. I I think he's going to be a guy that could kind of get them the over the hump for UCLA is like knocking on the door of a 10-win season, right? right? That's yes, what, yes, exactly. It's not getting into the college football right. playoff. It's that's making what we're a New Year's Six UCLA. Bowl game is what it is. They make a New Year's Six yeah. Bowl game. That's a huge year for them. You know, when when, the, when OU's move was announced, I mean, right around a year ago, right, it was – everyone was excited, and you immediately think of, oh, my gosh, all the cool games that you're about to – or all the cool places you're about to visit and all the cool home games you're about to have. I wonder how Big Ten fans – feel about this move today just in terms of a road trip situation now the weather especially later in the year will be a lot better but I guess I wouldn't be all that excited like going to a football game at UCLA or really even USC for that matter you know doesn't do it for me maybe like going to Michigan or Ohio State or Wisconsin or Iowa or Nebraska or basically half the league well the one thing about it is like you're going for the weather. Yeah. That's I mean, why it would exactly, be nice. Right. Um, I mean, UCLA plays at the Rose Bowl, so that's kind of cool to be able to go to that. USC Stadium stinks, so you're not going there for the stadium. You're not going there for the football atmosphere. Um, it's all about going out and enjoying the weather and seeing Southern California maybe uh, as winter starts to bear down on you in the Midwest. But I – there's a better football atmosphere in Ames, Iowa, than there is at either one of those places. And in and Eugene, Oregon as well. Yeah, and Eugene, Oregon. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, the, the desperation for the eyeballs of the West Coast with college football is – it's something, man. It's something. Yeah. They are – it's it's been an all out full on full court press to try and get those those people on the west coast reengaged and i you know you've asked is if is it even possible and i don't know i really don't know especially with two two professional teams in town one just won the super bowl i don't know if it's possible well if it is possible they just landed the best ever situation to make it possible today. If it can't happen yeah. after today, then it's it's an NFL, Major League Baseball, and an NBA coast, and that's it. All right. How many USC fans are going to um, leave Southern California to go to a game in Iowa? Oh, God, they would never, Teddy. Or Michigan. And if they did, if there's a USC fan or UCLA fan and they go to Iowa to go watch a football game, they sure won't tell their friends. They'll get laughed out of the neighborhood. <laughs> what are you going to eat? They don't have avocado toast in <sighs> Hot Iowa. dogs on a grill? Oh, God. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. couple of segments left. Hanging out in Newcastle Casino today. Stay tuned.
Final hour of the rush on this Thursday. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. We might need your help this segment. It, this news is a, a bummer for one reason, USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. I, I was just going to find a lot of pleasure in Utah just totally owning and just destroying U, USC every single year, yeah, just physically punishing USC. Who's going to be the team in the in the Big Ten that does that on a year in year out basis? It's not going to be Utah after a couple more years. Who's it going to be in the Big Ten? Iowa, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's Iowa, a good Wisconsin. one. Yeah, yeah, maybe Nebraska. Golly, think about that, man. You know, we said, "Ooh, Utah." They are the blueprint for what has given him problems in the past. Not so much like a. Washington or in Arizona or Arizona State. It like Utah is like the immediate one that came to mind and, and really the only one that sticks out. They're full of them in the Big Ten. <laughs> Wisconsin, yeah. Iowa, you just mentioned Nebraska. Uh, Northwestern is a really gritty, hard-nosed football program. Yeah, there's a lot more of those teams that have the blueprint that he's had an issue with in the Big Ten than there's been in the Pac-12. Well, even Michigan, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, well, yeah, that's the best example. Michigan has had really good defenses. Um, we'll see if they can continue that run. But, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a different conference for sure. Um, and, you know, whenever you, whenever you start playing football where you add an extra element, weather uh, as a factor – I mean that that also changes things and and how your guys play and how you can adapt to those situations and that's tough whenever you live and practice in a place that has the exact same weather every single day 365 days a year you know which that's a great thing it's a great place to live that's why it's so desirable there but it's really not the preferred right like, because college football is different than professional football. Like, in, in professional football, it is way more of a controlled environment where you're playing on Sunday. Now, there are still some places where it's not, like like Green Bay and you know Cleveland, Baltimore, New England, some of those places, and they do that on purpose, right? To where Teams have to come up there and and play in those situations, but you know, you got a lot of domes, you got a lot of turf fields. It's it's a controlled environment. College football is not a controlled environment, so no. that's something that you've got to adjust to a little bit. And you're going to be playing in front of bigger fan bases, bigger stadiums, louder, wilder environments, which you know. Here's the thing, like Oklahoma's going to be facing the same deal in the SEC, but I'm fully confident that that is going to end up being, bringing the best out of Oklahoma. We'll see if, it, if that's going to be the same way with USC. Yeah. Maybe it does. I, it, it would be nice for USC, and it's not going to happen, but you have to adjust to their weather at certain times in the year. It'd be nice if those teams had to adjust to your weather but it's not really hard to adjust to a night game where it's 68 degrees with a light breeze. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> not, like it's, not much digesting that goes on there. It's what it's like in everyone's indoor facility that they have, right. uh, that they practice in. You know, it's the same thing. <sighs> and, and, hey, I can tell you this, with USC being the big draw, um, they are going to get dealt quite the schedule in that year one. I will be shocked if USC and Ohio State don't play in their first year in the Big Ten. I don't know, man. Perhaps, but remember, it's all about money, and it's all about TV viewers. So ultimately what they want is they want USC to be as good as possible, record as good as possible, to where they've got the entire West Coast engaged. Uh, They may play Ohio State the first year, but it's going to be the last game of the regular season after they played Rutgers and Maryland and Indiana and Northwestern and Illinois and Nebraska and Purdue. Then they play Ohio State. I I don't think that they're going to roll in with all the the cream cream puffs. I think that they'll get at least like a – a Wisconsin out of the deal. I, d- I really feel like they're going to get Ohio State. That just that makes all the sense in the world to have that matchup in year one and maybe even throw in a Penn State. I, I don't know, but who? I, if they don't do divisions, will they do pods? But I, I, I think you roll out, much like OU will. We've always thought that OU's first game in the SEC is going to be a marquee game. I think the same thing will be true for USC. Well, there, but there's the dynamic is different. Like, you're bringing Oklahoma – to the SEC because of how competitive of a football program they are. They've got a big fan base, but you're not trying to you're not trying to coax this massive uh, TV audience into watching football like you are with USC. So, like, it wouldn't shock me if they yes gave Oklahoma a welcome to the SEC schedule their first year, right? But the Big Ten is going to have a vested interest in having USC be eight and zero going into the. Oh, the I'm, last I'm month sure the they season. prefer that. I, I I don't know. I don't know if they're going to put the schedule that way to just try to give them the easy path. I, I guess you could put them in the uh, Big Ten West though, and maybe USC is. Um, you, even USC can uh, roll through the Big Ten West with the uh, average teams that are there. But yeah. It's going to be a big challenge for them. Uh, there's, that's, that's for sure. By the way, uh, other news that dropped today. Yes, thank you, uh, text line. DJ Lagway, who's a five-star quarterback in the class of 2024. So you got Jackson Arnold already committed, Elite 11 MVP named today, five-star quarterback out of Texas. There's another five-star quarterback, DJ Lagway, in the state of Texas in 2024. OU just offered him on a baseball scholarship as well. So he's been offered both football and baseball to OU. And oh, really? Yeah, like, now is the best time possible to send that offer out for DJ Lagway. Like, the OU baseball offer has never looked as good as it does probably right now, at least in a while, which I think can only benefit your football offer that you, you gave out to him. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, that's awesome. What's what's the uh, what's the situation on him? Do you know much about him as a recruit? Um, dual threat, big arm. I mean, he's 
really, really good, man. And, and it kind of feels like that's going to be their main quarterback target in 2024, which I don't blame yeah. them at all. It, it looks like either DJ Lagway or, uh, oh, my gosh, Michael Hawkins. Michael Hawkins' son. Right. That's in the state of Texas as well. Right. Well, I, it's kind of a, it's a little bit different philosophy, right? It looks like Levy's going to go after a top quarterback every single year. And, you know, I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you just never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to transfer out. It's uh, it's a different world. you gotta you got to always have several guys kind of in the pipeline ready. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out, Newcastle Casino. Final segment is next. 